Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome along to Football Digest Extra Time with myself, Ned Keaton. I'm joined today by Harry Brent uh, as we look back on what was another busy weekend of FA Cup action and, of course, give our thoughts ahead of deadline day, which is tomorrow on Tuesday. Plenty of deals still to be done and, and we'll be coming on to those uh, towards the second half of the show. But first things first, Harry, uh, FA Cup weekend. Not as many shocks as perhaps there were in the third round, but still some some decent details for us to get into this morning. And I suppose we'll start with uh, with Man United. Uh, it, it seems to be kind of falling into place for them a bit in the cup competitions this season. Uh, looking well placed in the Carabao Cup after victory last week at Nottingham Forest. Looking well placed to, to reach that final. Um, and with other rivals potentially falling by the wayside, looks like they might have a decent run in the FA Cup too. Yeah, it's really opening up for them at the moment, isn't it? I mean, who you know, who'd have thought we'd be saying this about Man United's season at the start, given how given how they started the campaign and everything. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think their resurgence in the last few weeks really speaks to Ten Hag's ability, not just as a tactician but as a coach. Generally speaking, you know, there, there seems to be a really good feeling around around the club at the moment. You know, the players seem to be really sort of in tune, and knowing their knowing their roles on the field and stuff. And um, you know, when you look at some of the signings, all, in fact, all of the signings, barring possibly Anthony, they've all, you know, all the Ten Hag signings have hit the ground running. Casemiro's been a revelation. Lisandro Martinez has been better than most people, have, you know, initially thought he was going to be. Christian Eriksen's been a great addition. And Valverde, of course, looks like a, a really shrewd signing. So I think, you know, there are some really, really promising promising and encouraging signs coming out of Man United at the moment, and which, again, is, you know, been a long time since we've said that. And, you know, if, if they can land one, possibly even two trophies, you know that would be a heck of a way to start your your debut season. And as you say, best teams are kind of getting getting knocked out at the moment. You'd expect they'll probably beat Newcastle in the uh, in the in the EFL Cup final, which won't be an easy game. But um, yeah, really good chance for them to for get a trophy. And what a, what a start that would be for Ten Hag. For sure, it could definitely be the. Uh, we've seen it so many teams and so many times down the years uh, that it's kind of the springboard for success. That first trophy doesn't matter what it is, just getting that first one, and you can kind of then kick on to, to great success. Um, just on Man United's signings, there you said about Casemiro, mentioned how how crucial he's been, and I suppose the the funny thing is here is that everyone kind of viewed him as as kind of being that kind of linchpin in midfield. He's kind of maybe more his defensive work would have been uh, what Man United were kind of after, but obviously scored twice against Reading. He's been getting among the goals a fair amount since his arrival as well. Um, there were a few people that kind of questioned the move, said he may have been too old uh, to, to come to English football at the time and kind of whether or not he'd fit in. But crikey, he's, he's definitely proved those doubters wrong so far. Completely. I mean, I, 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 in some ways I sort of feel maybe because of the fact that he was in a midf- midfield in uh, Real Madrid alongside Modric and Cruz, people didn't give him the credit he deserves. I think we're now sort of, now that we're seeing him week on week, or, you know, most of us are now seeing him week on week, uh, you know, you're really sort of getting an appreciation for how uh, for how good he is. And, and again, I, you know, I, I think it sort of speaks to speaks to Ten Hag. You know, he's he's obviously very happy for him to play a bit more with the ball and and you know, get in more advanced roles. And you know, when you've got a player like you know who is as good, generally speaking, as Casemiro, that's just you know, that's just a no brainer. So yeah, I really, I you know, I think I think he's he's been a revelation and and credit credit to him, credit to Ten Hag. <laughs> Moving to the blue side of Manchester now as well, Manchester City doing uh, possibly United a favour and obviously knocking out Arsenal, uh, Premier League leaders Arsenal out of the FA Cup. But it looks like Man City and Arsenal will be the two that uh, will be duelling it out for the title over the remainder of the rest of the season. 
first meeting between the two this season is obviously a little bit late because of, of what happened back in September with the Queen dying, unfortunately. Um, that postponed that league fixture. Um, and it looks like there's going to be a bit of a hectic kind of fixture jam almost now between them. That was the first, uh, Friday's FA Cup match was the first between them. They'll play each other again a couple of times uh, before the end of February. Was that a psychological blow Manchester City were able to land on, on Arsenal on Friday night in that pursuit, you know, with the two of them going for this title? I think it was. I, I mean, I think that... Um obviously the, the Arteta and Guardiola both made some changes in that game, but they both fielded pretty strong teams generally. And I, I think that sort of speaks to how, how important they saw winning that game. And, uh, you know, I, as you say, given that they've, they're playing, they're playing each other twice in pretty quick succession. And the fact that that could obviously give a, you know, a six point swing in the title race, which would bring Man City right back into it. I think that's going to be really important. I mean, we've seen over the years how sort of relentlessly consistent, Man, you know, Man City have been at winning under pressure, you know, with their title title races with Liverpool and everything. So Arsenal need to be absolutely on it and and make sure they do not drop any points that they don't absolutely need to. So, you know, I I, I do think that they will now be a little bit sort of concerned going into those going into those two games. There will be a, a big question mark of of right, you know, and it will put especially the first the first time they play each other. It will be a big sort of, you know, there will be some difficulties, but. Um, yeah, I you know, and 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 yeah, I expect I expect there'll still be some some heck, you know, still be a heck of a heck of an encounter regardless. But uh, yeah, big big psychological blow I think for Man City there. Do you think Arsenal, where they made so many changes, were, were you a little bit surprised by that? You know, where you look at it and they didn't have a game midweek, they didn't have a game this midweek coming up as well. Likewise with City, City went quite strong. Arsenal made you know, a host of changes. And the funny thing is, is that, yes, I realised there's a great irony in saying it's like kind of oh, a bit surprised. And then Arsenal actually did play quite well up until Nathan Aki's goal. Arsenal probably had the better of the chances, the better of the match. But you kind of wonder, as you said there, especially with these two games coming up thick and fast in the league as well, that this opportunity to kind of lay down a marker, you kind of wonder whether or not Arsenal perhaps missed the trick here as well. In that, in these teams as well, when you, you know, you said there about Man, Man City being relentless and going on these relentless winning runs, Arsenal being in good form, you kind of wonder whether or not changing so many, losing a bit of momentum might end up coming back to bite them. It might do. And, and yeah, as I said, they, they may end up, Arteta may end up regretting it a little bit, but I guess the, you know, one thing to say is that obviously the main focus for them is, is got to be the Premier League. And, um, you know, the, the sort of main weakness they have against Man City is the fact that they don't have the depth that Man City do. Uh, so perhaps it was a kind of, it was just something Arteta felt he, he absolutely had to do was, was rest a few of his, a few of his big names, you know, in order to sort of avoid, avoid burnout later in the season. So, you can't. I don't think you can blame him for 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 deciding to rest a few a few names. But as you say, I think momentum does play a huge part in 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 this sort of thing. And you know, as we say, with a doubleheader coming, so it could bite them, bite them, come back to bite them. But uh, as I say, it's hard to in the moment to blame him for 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 doing that. Liverpool, uh, another side that, like Arsenal, have, have now exited the FA Cup. We'll come on to what it means for them um, in a second and, and where that leaves their season, really, kind of probably in a bit of a mess. But I just wanted, before we come on to Liverpool more, so I just wanted to talk about Karen Matoma a little bit because uh, Brighton, of course, beat Liverpool in the fourth round to, to, to knock Liverpool out. But the composure that Matoma showed, what was it, stoppage time and to not whack it the first time. And uh, if you've not seen the goal, please go and have a look now because it is phenomenal just to see the composure in that moment that he shows there. But he's showing why everyone's kind of talking about him as being a, a great player and, and, a, and a great ability that he's got a great potential too. And just to show, as I said there, that, that composure, that calmness so late on in the game when so much is riding on it as well, which was, was just phenomenal to see. 
it was, especially against such, you know, quality defenders that Liverpool have and, and everything. And yeah, it just, it looked like he was playing on the, you know, knocking it about on the playground, didn't it? Um, and yeah, I, you know, it's, it's just another, another potential gem that, that Brighton have unearthed in it. You know, that it's sort of, if you want to know how to run a football club, that is, that is how you do it, isn't it? They, they, you know, another player that they, chances are in a couple of years they'll sell him on for 10 times the price that they, they bought him for. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it really, really does, uh, does look, does look good for, for Brighton at the moment. And just in terms of Liverpool, um, it looks like their only tra- chance of silverware this season now is going to be the Champions League. Of course, they've got a very tough tie coming up against Real Madrid. The holders looking perhaps for a bit of revenge in that one. But they're out of both domestic cut competitions, tough tie in the Champions League coming up. They're looking well off the pace in the race for the top four. How do Liverpool salvage something from this season now? There's 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 very little for them to, to perhaps cling on to apart from hoping that their league form picks up between now and May. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a difficult one, really. You know, I think it, it's it's easy to overanalyze what's going wrong at Liverpool at the moment. You know, I think given, as you said, the sort of the mire that they're in domestically, you know, there will be a there will be a sense of of well, let's just get to the end of the season and we'll and we'll reassess everything in the summer and bring in a couple of couple of names. But as you say, you know, if they play, you know, they're playing Real Madrid, they're, they're not favourites to win it uh, in the Champions League. But if, you know, should they progress and they've got a, you know, good enough team and a good enough manager to do so, that could be the kind of resurgence that they, that, that could sort of spark, spark a resurgence. I mean, we saw, uh, I think it was in the um, 2020, 2021 season where they, they fell away and then came back towards the, towards the end of the season when it didn't look like they were going to make top four. Something like a big win in the Champions League could, could spark that. And, you know, Liverpool have always got it in them to, to string a lot of wins together. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, I would not be shocked. I don't think they'll make top four, but I would not be shocked if they came back out of nowhere. Yeah, that famous Alisson goal against West Brom. Uh, one, one of my close mates happens to work for uh, Liverpool's social media team and he said that they had the graphic just made up. Like It wasn't like a kind of almost like a jokey thing as well. No, 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 but we need one. We need one safe for like a goal celebration for Alisson. Never did they think they'd ever end up having to use it, but there you go. Some that, that That's what planning and preparation is all about, I suppose. Um, just finally on the FA Cup though, Harry, um, Tottenham, my beloved Tottenham, for anyone who knows and, and listens to this show regularly, my beloved Tottenham, giving me something to cheer about, thankfully, this week. Uh, last few appearances on the show haven't been so great to talk about Tottenham um, but again as we spoke about you know kind of where the bigger teams and Arsenal are now out Liverpool are out Chelsea are out as well obviously went out in the third round to Man City that yes Manchester United yes Manchester City are still there but for teams like Tottenham Brighton perhaps as well they can now perhaps start thinking about a very deep long run in this cup competition maybe they can go all the way to Wembley should Visual be favourable for them. I think, you know, myself as a Spurs fan, and I think Brighton fans might be hoping for a, a Manchester derby in the next round when the jury is made, hopefully. Um, but, but, but for Spurs as well, again, you know, difficult season. They're a little bit closer to the top four than Liverpool are, thankfully, at the minute. But it looks like that might be a struggle to get back in there, such as the form of, of United and Newcastle as well. But a cup competition just might be what Spurs need. Again, you know, it's always been levelled at this, you know, when Pochettino, Mauricio Pochettino had the team, oh, they never won a competition. This might just be the thing that kind of, again, kind of kickstarts Spurs, maybe takes them onto that next level as well, potentially. Maybe I'm just saying that more in hope as a Tottenham fan. Well, I think, I mean, if any, as you say, if any club needs a, needs a trophy win just to get a demon off their back, it's Tottenham. And, you know, in some ways, as much as... Finishing in the Champions League is going to be more lucrative and, and make them more of an appealing prospect for players in the summer. 
you could even you could sort of argue that winning winning a cup would actually do them more more favors than than getting in the getting in the top four. So as you say, a really big opportunity. It'll be interesting to see if Conti goes for it. Um, as you said, particularly if the draw opens up. Um, I, I mean, you'll you'll sort of you know obviously as a Tottenham fan, you'll know this stuff. It's, it's something still not quite something's not quite right at Tottenham at the moment a lot of uh, question marks over systems over you know futures of individuals whether it be managers or players um so you know possibly winning a trophy might just kind of settle everyone down and and, and bring back a bit of a good a good sort of feeling or even you know a, a cup run you know i can't remember the last time tottenham well the carabao cup final there was some good feeling around around that around that run i guess so um so yeah i you know i would it would be interesting to see if to see if conti wants to focus to focus on that but you know i wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's more keen to get in the to get in the Champions League because he wants he wants players doesn't he he wants to keep you'll know, want to keep Kane around if he's planning on staying so uh, and he want to attract attract better players in the market so be interesting for sure I was weighing it up myself last night as well kind of sat there kind of thinking would I rather finish fifth and, and win the FA Cup or top four and, and not win the FA Cup and it was it was a tough one given that our last cup win was half my lifetime ago which now obviously gives away uh, uh, my age and, and perhaps more trade secrets <laughs> Can I ask Ned would you, would you rather win the, win the FA Cup and have Arsenal win the league or neither of you win, win, win anything Depends where we finish in the league. I wouldn't. The, the thing is now as well. I kind of almost want such as such as how horrific our season has been so far, or not, you know, up to standard, or, or where we kind of hoped it might have been back in August. That I wouldn't be too upset then if Arsenal do go into win the league because they'll be more fo- more focused on that, more happy to celebrate winning the league and not care about the fact that St Totteringham's day has returned after six years. So they'd just be talk- talking about the league win rather than you know finishing above us, which is fine by me. <laughs> But moving on this morning, Harry, uh, obviously deadline day on Tuesday uh, is coming up. uh, And of course, everyone's kind of still trying to finalise their squads, still trying to add to them. Uh, Obviously, final opportunity to do that before the end of the season. Uh, I'm just going to run through now some of the the kind of big rumours. And and we spoke about it just a little bit beforehand briefly, but obviously Brighton and how they've kind of this this, this recruitment model that they've got of bringing these players in on the cheap. You talked there about Matoma earlier. I think it was two and a half million and they only brought him in for, and that looks like an absolute steal now. But another one as well who they brought in on the cheap who potentially, if a deal does go through uh, before the deadline tomorrow, uh, will, will fetch them very, very tasty profit. Moise Caicedo uh, roughly about four million pounds they brought him in for fee suggested to be in the region of 60 to 70 million Arsenal or Chelsea a potential destination for him has got a little bit messy um, of course like any good transfer saga uh, Caicedo taken to Twitter to almost plead with the club to uh, to, to let him move on uh, the club themselves uh, you know saying to stay away from training didn't pick him for the FA Cup winner to Liverpool told him to stay away until the window shuts it feels like there's still plenty of of time they left in in this deal or left in the window. Sorry for this deal to get over the line and, and potentially could be moving to London. Yeah, it'll, it'll it'll be really interesting the next few hours. I mean, based on everything that we've seen from Brighton, I'd be surprised if it happens. I'd be surprised if he if they let him leave. I mean, you often find when you know there's a bit of a kind of transfer saga that the selling club usually say that the player's not for sale, but often they give clues sort of saying like, oh, we, we, we'd actually quite like you to, you know, bet, you know, bid a bit, a little bit higher. Brighton haven't been doing that. They've just been saying staunchly, he, he's not leaving this window. And given that they won't have any time to replace him and, 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 and whatever, I, I would be very shocked 
to see you know him him leave particularly as i don't i don't think arsenal are going to be prepared to pay 80 90 million in order to bring them to the table so and and probably quite right quite rightly kaisel is a brilliant player but uh, whether it's whether it's worth going that high is 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 a different matter so i you know he'll given everything that's, that's gone on obviously the transfer request and the banishment from training and all that stuff he'll probably go in the summer chelsea will probably come back in for him as well but um and and speaking of chelsea you know i think given their sort of the way that they've turned their attention or appear to have turned their attention at the moment to enzo fernandez kind of shows you that they probably got the message from brighton that look caicedo is not is not leaving at the moment. So, as I say, I'd be very surprised if if Arsenal do if Arsenal do land him, which will, which will be a shame because they they could do with they could do with a little squad depth in midfield. You you look at their midfield and think a key injury to Partey or Xhaka or Odegaard really really uh, gives them troubles. But um, we'll see. I, I I'd be as I say, I'd be surprised to see it happen. One move that looks like it will also be a surprise to happen now is Pedro Porro. Um, Sunday night, it looks like he's you know by all accounts he's on his way to London uh, medicals have been booked everything was pretty much signed and sealed I, I mean I think even after played for sports in Lisbon on Saturday night and I think he was uh, making his goodbyes to the fans as well so it looked like uh, everything was heading in the right direction only then uh, for it to be turning out that sporting's officials are looking for a little bit more out of the deal than initially what was agreed um, so it looks like there's still plenty of work to be done on this one whether or not Tottenham can can get this deal done over the line before my, Tuesday's deadline. Um, he's someone that they've been, you know, pretty much since the window opened. There has been talk about Pedro Porro going to Tottenham. This has all the hallmarks of a classic uh, transfer saga, be it in the summer or in the winter as well. Just kind of, it think you think it's done, and you think it's not going to happen, or it is going to happen, and then either gets resurrected or or comes crashing down. It would be slightly embarrassing though, and I'm not saying this from a Tottenham fan's point of view, but it would be slightly embarrassing for Tottenham now if this doesn't get over the line. And and crucially as well for Antonio Conte, someone who wants Porro by the sounds of it, has, has been keen on him throughout the window. He won't be too happy if he doesn't end up with him as his player by the end of the window. No. I mean, it's it, it wouldn't be a, a Tottenham transfer window without a, without a deal going wrong on deadline day. Um, no, I, I, I agree. I, I think it will be a shame. I, you know, Tottenham Tottenham have been really pushing, as you say. Conte looks like he really he really wants him. You know, he he looks he looks a fabulous fabulous player. And and I, you know, I think obviously you've got uh, Tottenham have got Jed Spence coming coming through. We'll see how good he he comes right back. But I think that you know, there's there's a sen- there's a sort of general sense of that's a position that can be can be improved. And obviously, we know how how much Conte likes his likes his wing backs so uh, I think it could generally be a, a good transfer but yeah I, you know uh, at the moment at the time of recording it sounds like it's off I wouldn't be surprised if it gets if it gets resurrected in, in the summer if, if it does go off but um, yeah a sort of key few hours ahead for Tottenham because you know again that just speaking of um, you know as we were talking before about the need for sort of a kind of feel good factor bringing in a big signing like that would 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 do wonders for, for Tottenham at the moment. And I think it's exactly the sort of thing they need. You know, getting that sort of lift might be really beneficial, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how the next few hours goes. Exactly. As you said that at the time of recording, this is, of course, the fun and games of recording a podcast the day before transfer deadline day. Everything that we say here might be completely wrong, even by the time that I get to uploading it in only about 20 minutes or half an hour. Um, but the glory is, is that obviously where we spoke about the FA Cup at the start, I could just cut this bit and no one can hear it and it's fine. Um, if we do end up getting it all wrong, I can just go back in and edit. Um, Another player that, that could be on the move this time out of London, uh, perhaps a little bit further north, is Hakim Ziyech. Um, 
a great, greatly talented player. There's no denying that. But for for whatever reason, he doesn't seem to have ever been trusted by any of his Chelsea managers, either be it Frank Lampard or Thomas Tuchel or now Graham Potter as well, that they can't seem to find a way to make things click for him. He, he stars in fits and spurts for Chelsea, but there's no kind of consistent run in the team that he can kind of put together to allow him to obviously put together more consistent performances. Great World Cup. Helped Morocco get to the semi-finals uh, after returning from his his self-imposed international exile. Of course, didn't get on with the previous Morocco manager. Um, but, but you know, shone brilliantly for them at the World Cup. Probably gets the feeling now, and especially at the stage of his career, that he, he wants a bit more first-team football to, uh, to, to boot as well. And it looks like Aston Villa could be interested in him. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be an interesting move. I mean, it, it it sort of feels a shame, and no disrespect to Aston Villa, it sort of feels a shame for for a player with you know as many qualities as Hakim Ziyech has, and and you know as you say, he showed us that at the World Cup, how much quality he has. For, for him to go to a team that's you know not challenging for the for the top trophies, but you know Aston Villa are a team on the rise under Emery, so you know I, I wouldn't sort of begrudge him that 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 move by any stretch as you say he needs first team first team football he's been really unlucky at, at, at Chelsea in many ways had a few key injuries at injuries are key key times when it often when he's been playing well um I don't really think he was a good stylistic fit for for the way Thomas Tuchel played Graham Potter's a little bit more sort of ambiguous with his system so it sort of remains to be seen whether whether he could fit into uh into into a system there but um as I say I think I think he will you know he needs he needs first team football and if he's not getting that at Chelsea I think it's a, I think it's a smart smart decision to to move away it's, especially with you know given when you look at the players that the forwards that Chelsea have been signing Mudrick uh, and uh, Madueke I think um they're obviously going after wingers forwards with pace direct running and, and that's not really who Ziyech is so uh, it's probably the right move if 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 Chelsea are looking are looking beyond him for him to move away Another player that's been spoken about for for kind of almost months in terms of moving on uh, happens to be James Madison. There's been all this talk, you know, it seems to go a little bit quiet, I'll admit that, about going to Newcastle, but for months before the window, it seemed to be something that was edging towards a, a kind of conclusion in January. Then it seems to go a bit quiet in January, but now we're getting towards deadline date, it seems to have resurrected itself again. Um, obviously, currently at Leicester, doing well for Leicester, uh, but Newcastle where they are this season, you know, and, and the kind of project that they're putting together there. Very few players would, would say no to Newcastle at this point. Do we think this might finally happen before the window shuts? Well, as you say, the last few days really makes you think it might. I mean, f- for the longest time, it, you know, it looked as if Leicester were going to wait until the until the summer. Obviously, he'll have one year left on his contract at that point. Um, the the only the only thing to consider, I think, is Leicester. Obviously, it, you know, when they're selling players, they're no mugs. You know, they're very good at getting the right sort of price and you know, staying sort of stubborn in, in terms of not wanting players to leave when they don't want them to. So, or at least when it when it will inconvenience them. Um, he's so important for for Leicester, you know, and and I think he you know he will be sort of vital to keep for their sort of continued push up the table. Um, but I yeah I I I think they'll you know I I would be I wouldn't be that shocked to see to see him leave now. As you say, Newcastle are growing in uh, you know uh, reputation and 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 sort of you know prestige. So um, you know if there's any pushing from Madison's side, I think it'll be hard for Leicester to keep him. But uh, given their history of, of being able to get the right price for players and keep them for, you know, at least a, a decent amount of time after clubs come looking for them. I wouldn't be shocked to see him stay until the uh, until the summer either. So if I had to put you on the spot now, those four players that we discussed there kind of all seem to be hanging in the balance, those deals. But if there was one that you had to go out and, and kind of say, this is going to happen before the window shuts, which one would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
Sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, that's not I would. I mean, to be honest, out of all out of all of those, I would probably say James Madison. I, I, there was a temptation to say Ziyech, but I think che- obviously given Chelsea's injuries, they might be a bit reluctant. You know, Raheem Sterling, Christian Pulisic are still out. They might be a bit reluctant to to relinquish a couple, uh, another forward. Uh, so that that's what makes it. You know, I don't. I think Caicedo won't happen. I don't. I'm, I'm given the news that. Just before we came on, I don't think Pedro Poirot will happen until this, at least until the summer. So probably Madison's my answer. But again, touch and go. Indeed. Of course, you can keep up to date with all the latest uh, from the transfer window ahead of the window shutting on Tuesday uh, evening uh, across the Daily Mirror, Daily Star and Daily Express. Um, I'd like to thank Harry as well for joining us this morning. Some great insight there for sure. Um, but all that's left for me to do is to say goodbye. Goodbye.